Son, I have to go to the bathroom. Father, you just went to the bathroom two hours ago. Women have smaller bladders, Tobias. That seems awfully essentialist, Cousin Aria. Waiting for a break in the rain Waiting for the moment to change your lane I came home from the wasteland Heroic and triumphant like a comic book girl Created out of nothing like a comic book girl Hey! Super hello, I'm showing up very tiny all of a sudden Cassandra, where you? I didn't see you come in because you're like only an inch tall to the class. Why is it? We're gonna need a whole Hello? separate desk for you. I'm gonna have to just yell into my microphone now because my sound waves are. Can we can we hook Cassandra up with like a little PA system? Like I don't know if we can get a microphone smaller than that, but <laughs> can you hear us? Hi everyone, welcome to the discussion. Who wants to discuss book twenty three? Last book of the semester. The last Animorphs book ever recovered. <laughs> All right, let's introduce ourselves. Hi, I'm Parker Renevere, and if you're one of the few people who's allowed to refer to me, you can use she, her. Also, I have a nosebleed, so maybe if my voice sounds stuffy, that's probably why. Is it because you're... <laughs> Is it because you're an anime character and you saw someone cute? No. Nope. I mean, nope. anyway, who are you all? My name is Erso Rin, even if you don't believe it. And my fun fact for this week is... Godzilla one time fought her way out of hell to be reborn after being defeated. Yes, I've read about this once. So what are your pronouns? Oh, my sh pronouns, my shronouns are pee her. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't like that. <laughs> Sorry to dictate your pronouns, but I really hate what you just said. <laughs> my my pronouns are she, her. <laughs> Godzilla fighting her way out of hell was very good. Isn't that the, the illustrator who did Orkstain? Probably. Okay. Um, I'm Cassandra Kelly. I use she, her pronouns. For my fun fact, you know, I know that you all have been waiting with bated breath for updates on my sewing journey. So I come to you with oh, great tidings. Boy, which here is we that, go again. Strap in, which folks. Which is that I'm... All the time the dress that I've been working on, which is the one that I had to do a bunch of hand sewing for, but I did finally, you know, my machine's working, I bought the tool, the tool worked, blah, 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 so I've been doing a ton of sewing for the past few days. Um, I'm having, I'm almost done, I set the sleeves in today, which is always really hard, especially because the sleeves are gathered and puffy, so all I have left to do is the zipper in the back and the back seam and hem, but the zipper in the back is an invisible zipper, which is harder to sew than a regular zipper, but it also looks better. Um, so I was having this problem where I put a ton of extra fabric in the back initially because I have broad shoulders, so I wanted to make it fit, but then I, when I was trying it on to check for fit, I was like, oh wow, there's a ton of extra room in the back, unsurprisingly. So I cut some of the fabric out, and then I was like, oh wait, when I was trying it on and I was pinning it in the back, I wasn't pinning it like all the way down the back, so I was like, I had some gaps left in between the pins that were giving me a little more wiggle room than I probably actually had, so I'm like, not totally clear on how much wiggle room I actually have, so I still have to sew in the invisible zipper, so I have to look up some videos on how to do it when you don't have a zipper, because I don't have a zipper, because I think my sewing machine predates the concept of invisible zippers, um, so I am going to just try and sew it in with like the tiniest possible seam allowance, because at least I already trimmed it with pinking shears instead of regular scissors, so it's not like it's going to fray, and then I have to do the rest of the back seam, I might also trim that with pinking shears, and then I just have to like even out the hem, and maybe let it hang for a few hours, because some of it is kind of cut on the bias, and then I might put trim on the hem, I might not, hem it, and then, you know, tuck the trim in, and then it'll be done, I'll have a dress. Nice. Every time, Thank you. every time you said wiggle room, I did, I did think wiggle, 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 and wiggle in my seat a little bit. I do hope that next time you'll include like a map and like a full family tree for like everybody that mm -hmm, we've known mm -hmm. gotcha. during the whole saga. Because I, I do, I do get a little bit confused because we're very deep in at this point. Today we are talking about animorphs, 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 animorphs. <laughs> All the blood is leaving my head. Today we're talking about animorphs volume three, the pretender. 
uh, narrated by Tobias, who is turning into a rabbit on the cover. There's a an ominous boy in the background with a bowl cut. Who is he? <laughs> I'm an ominous boy with a bowl cut. Also, the soul of a boy floats in the skyline. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Elevist, actually. Uh, yeah, who is he? We don't know. He's not plot Tobias. Twists, plot twists abound. I am going to spoil one that does come up in this book. The Elemist is actually Tobias, so I just wanted to... <laughs> yeah, Tobias is... It, it's no! uh, Yeah, the Elemist is Tobias, but from a, like, a future alternate timeline. <laughs> the Elemist is Tobias's a clone who was made by the Romulans to, like, subvert him, and he's hotter and younger, but still bald for some reason. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the only thing I know about Star Trek is that one movie, because we had a copy of it for some reason. Uh, if I'm remembering correctly, Erso, do you have the synopsis? Tobias is, <laughs> Tobias is struggling with a strange existence. <laughs> Cassandra? I to hear me sing Carol King. Cass! Cassandra! Yes, yes. We're attempting to with- class being let me restart thank you <laughs> the I stop playing with the tape measure stop interrupting her god parker <gasps> tobias our boy Shh. arboreal boy um arboreal. tobias is struggling with the strange existence of him being or feeling half human and half hawk making Mood. it difficult for him to eat it's strangely poetic that the other hawk is encroaching on his territory, and he must argue with that hawk mentally, as well as his human self, for this tiny amount of space that he has tried to claim as his home. The Animorphs hear through Chapman, their principal, who's also a controller, by chance that Tobias is being searched for by a lawyer named De Groot, which I hate saying out loud. <laughs> Too bad. After carefully setting up a plan to safely get Tobias to talk to this lawyer, they learn that a secret message is to be read to him on his birthday, which Tobias agrees to do. In order to clear his head, Tobias visits, visits the Horkbajir Valley, now populated with many new and saved Horkbajir. The seer, a Horkbajir with incredible intelligence as a genetic defect, goes by Toby and tells them one of theirs is missing. The gang finds the missing Horkbajir by following Arya, the woman who claims to be Tobias's cousin in this lawyer family debacle. In doing so, they discover the escaped Horkbajir, a child named Beck, captured by a cruel animal zoo. The Animorphs break him out, but the Yurks steal him away. They regroup, attack the place he's being held, guerrilla style. During the fight, Tobias flies up and sees a helicopter, anticipating Visser III to the battlefield, but sees Arya instead. Tobias realizes they are one and the same, and his last chance for having a family is exposed as a sham. Except. Except. Oh, true. (laughs) The following day, his birthday, Tobias plays along with the Visser and the lawyer, and listens to the strange letter from his father, who reveals his identity at last. Elfangor Serenial Shemtul. Dun, dun, dun. Don't break the moment. Sorry. Chanterelle. Elfangor Subaru Chanterelle. <laughs> Thank you for that synopsis, by the way. Um, it was much more concise and shorter than any of ours. <laughs> I, would, I would like to think that mine are pretty concise. I work hard. Um, They're not that concise. I try, okay? I like anyway. that a lot, to be fair. Tobias is gross with the work <clears throat> All of the moments in this book Bro bias. have to do with... Bro bias. Let me talk one time, guys. No. Every time the Horkbajir speak in this book, I'm just—it is just a masterful articulation of comedic 
interactions between all these characters. And I'm trying to find... Is this a pigeon? <laughs> P-I-D-G-I-N. Oh, I get it Thank now. I'll be, I'll be here all night. I understand that you're doing this in good faith because you find it amusing. Are mm -hmm. you just making fun of the way that Hork Bajir talk? No. Okay. Chapter 24 is the bit where uh, the one Hork Bajir meets Tobias and was like, hey, you almost gouged my eye out. Yeah, that part I love that so interaction. Great. That was like a weirdly cute interaction. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good time. Really speaks to the chaos of this whole situation and the gratitude that people express when they are no longer controllers really puts into perspective how harrowing the experience of being a controller is, you know? Especially given the point that not only do these hork live as controllers for a long time, they had to, every single one of them, deal with a Yurk dying in real time in their brain. Oh, God, that's true. Over the true. course of three days. Oh. I have to deal with my hopes and dreams dying real time in my brain. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Funny joke there, pal. <laughs> that's a huge point, though. Like, oof. That's a lot for each of these people to deal with. Except for Toby. <laughs> Erso, put the cute cat video down and slowly back away. Erso. Okay. Erso, this is not a class discussing cute cat videos. It's a class discussing animals. No, that's it. Uh, I have that at 4.30, actually. It's mostly just wrap up at this point because we're, we're just preparing for the exam. <laughs> the exam? <laughs> what is the exam? <laughs> Erso, I can't even understand you. <laughs> okay, so now that it's just me and Parker in the class now discussion. Now that it's just me and Cassandra in the, in the class discussion. <laughs> Let's talk about animorphs instead of cats. T Tobias is sort of musing upon the uh, musing upon the frustrating details of his situation early on, and he's like, "Does a madman know he's mad? Does he realize the delusion isn't real?" I'm like, "Wow, dude, I'm 14, and this is deep." Are you a Chinese philosopher dreaming that you're a butterfly, or a butterfly dreaming that you're a Chinese philosopher? Yeah, I mean, like these are reasonable thoughts for a stressed out teen to have, though, especially when you're stuck it's in Hogwarts. Sorry, what was that? I heard something, but it can't be from someone who's in this class discussion, because there's only two of us. A stressed out bird boy teen. A stressed out bird boy teen, exactly. What's a stressed out bird boy teen to do? What's a... Especially when he can't get them calories, them bird calories, them stressed out bird calories. <laughs> I would like to complicate the narrative of this book a little bit. Is this, a, is this a, a potential sort of theory you have about some ways that things could be interconnected in ways that are it, atypical or not suggested by the narrative? It is a question. It is a question, discussion question that I'm opening up to the group. So my question, which I am posing in more of a, a, a literary discussion sense in a way. But this is a historical account. If we were to analyze this as historical a... Historical account. A, as a piece of fiction. Thank you. Is the other red-tailed hawk a metaphor for Tobias's yes. struggle with the encroaching hawk mind and lifestyle? And if yes, is it still a real factual historical red-tailed hawk who lived? Does it or matter? Or is it entirely made up? for the purposes of the narrative. Oh, look, there's sirens going past me now. I mean, it would be an effective metaphor. I don't know why you would make it up. Literary merit. 
what the, these are literary these don't exist as literary texts though they're they're historical accounts those are they 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 serve different functions does it matter if it's real or not y yes this is does it matter if anything's real yes these are historical accounts <laughs> maybe tobias is using this event real or fictional to articulate something a little bit more complicated having happened in his brain that he's deciding to do after the fact so you're saying that Tobias is approaching this from kind of a gonzo perspective. The hawk is a metaphor. I mean, okay, but the hawk was probably also a real hawk. Otherwise, why would Tobias be starving? Like, the fact that Tobias is starving is, like, a, a pretty serious problem that he's dealing with throughout the book. Struggling All with right, morality. Let's, let's take this one step further. Do we think that the <clears throat> flashes that Tobias is experiencing into the rabbit brain are literal are real or do we think that tobias is just experiencing guilt and empathy at the same time i think it's empathy this to me is a more interesting question well i think they're kind of the same question well no because like if it's a factual thing that's like i don't know hypothetically in the sort of infinite data sphere of things that we have access to perhaps we could sort of like i i think it's highly unlikely because i don't think there's a degree of like usable tracking data for this kind of stuff and this granularity of stuff but like we could hypothetically verify the ind independently the existence of another hawk in this area but we can't independently verify tobias's subjective emotional experience yeah. and so that to me that to me is really interesting like the way i read it initially is that this is some sort of like psychic imposition that's what that's how it reads initially right because there's exactly so much like scary random psychic psychological stuff that they go through all the time they, it might as well be right but and he doesn't really overcome it at the end and the source is never explained which makes me think that it is perhaps just his conscience i think tobias is the only animorph that hunts and so he's also been like rodents oh, david and, and prey animals David doesn't count. Yeah. David's not allowed at the table. Like, he wasn't killing because he needed to. Tobias hunts yeah. on a daily basis. Like, he wasn't having these visions, visions when he started. He's only having them now. So, is it because he's been both versions of the animal and he's just experiencing, like, something that no human could ever experience, which is just, like, literally, like, his brain remembering the feeling of being that afraid of Predator? Yeah. Or is or is it actually like the Elemist being like The Elemist isn't real. Okay, look. You understand what I'm saying though, that like I think it's a great point. I think that this is a a great point that you've brought up and a really excellent analysis of it. Thanks, you too, babe. Thank you. Uh this book Honestly, I'm going to have to come back to this one again and again because, like, this book tackles with a lot of stuff that I personally think about a lot, which is, like... It's a real banger. I think that we can see pretty clearly that whoever's writing this does not not sort of beat around the bush with Tobias and Rachel's relationship. Yes. Like before, yes. They've, they've had a closeness I'm, and, like... They're so cute. It's yeah, very good. It's really explicit. I love, I love how cute they are. Like, yes, war crimes, but also, aw, sweet little kids in love. They're cute. They're it's very nice cute. they're having something nice happen to them for once. That they're yeah. getting to be teens in... Stop. I want... I literally feel like crying right now. <laughs> it's, oh, it's very no. sweet. And, you know, when you're stressed out, Sometimes your, like, ability and need... Oh, this actually segues into another point that I have. Your ability to and your need for a degree of distance between you and your peers sometimes 
you just like don't have the time for it anymore. Sometimes you're just like, no, you know what? I got to express myself. And it's really beautiful in this case. It's very sweet. So once again, we have a story about one of the Animorphs taking extreme pains and going to great risks to avoid being pitied. Yeah, that seems to be, I don't know if that's a side effect of just being in war or something, but like. Oh, you know, that's a good angle on it. I didn't consider that. Yeah, I, I could see it being them kind of being like, you know, I've had to grow up so much and deal with so many horrors that I view myself as much more mature and much more able to handle everyday situations in some ways than many other kids. And so being pitied sort of reduces me to a weaker version of myself that I don't see myself as. And also at the same time reminds me that in some ways I am still that little kid. Can we talk about the fact that that Axe is Tobias's uncle now? Can we sure talk is. about the revocular relationship? Oh my god. <laughs> His axe is like six and eight years old. I'm very excited for this. I'm very excited for their their whole dynamic to be a little bit different and a little bit funnier now. I don't remember if Tobias tells the rest of the Animorphs right away. I don't remember at all. He might not. I, know, I do remember that Tobias and Axe end up becoming really close. Yeah. I mean, they're already they're pretty already close. I'm just close. ready for that, yeah. that that jocular family banter between <laughs> between the... Uh, I've got a couple other points, but Erso, I want to give you room to talk if you've got stuff. I do want to talk about stuff. I think I underestimated how emotional this was going to make me. I had to, um, I had to quit for, like, the rest of the day around, like chapter yeah, like this, 17 this or so conversation is is just a very emotional one and i thought it was a, a fun and relaxing read <laughs> <laughs> yeah just a walk in the park <laughs> it's brutal yeah i definitely i i mean well i don't think i was as affected as you two i was just i spent this entire journal just being like oh my god someone please protect this child Visitor three no. Visitor three is Tobias's dad. Axe is uncle, and Elfangor is dead. Oh my god! <laughs> Can you imagine if they had somehow decided? Okay, I, I'm sorry to immediately like go from oh we have feelings to like um, verbal ridiculousness. But can you imagine if they if they had decided that actually what they needed to do? to get wind of Visser 3's plans was to come up with a scenario in which Visser 3 as Arya was forced to adopt Tobias to like make it look reasonable, you know, make it make oh sense. But is it this Tobias the plot of that like sitcom? Not under shh, that Tobias was not under so much suspicion that she would like turn him into a controller or anything. I'm not sure there would be a middle ground like that, but like hypothetically. So then the next like 20 journals are just this like comedy of errors of Tobias and Visser 3 living together and trying to hide all of this stuff from each other. Son, I have to go to the bathroom. Father, you just (laughs) went to the bathroom two hours ago. Women have smaller bladders, Tobias. That seems awfully essentialist, Cousin Arya. (laughs) Erso, you want to talk about feelings? Let's talk about feelings. I want to cry. (laughs) Yeah. Bye, I'm leaving. The entirety of chapter 22, like 
I don't even remember what it was, around 17 or 18 that, like, made me have to quit for the day, but, like, chapter 22 also just totally bowled me over. I'm gonna be totally real with you guys, I read this entire thing this morning. Nice, Hella. <laughs> That's, That's probably why, why I... you were upset. I, fin yeah. I finished it this morning. <laughs> I read it, like, a few days ago, actually, for once. I just wanted to point out a funny joke. There's, like, that part where I began to demorph very slowly. I grew to in about an inch across, then stopped. Jeremy, do you see me? Jarrah sees Bug. That's me. Tobias? Tobias is Bug? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am the Bug. Jarrah, you have to get the other torpedo to hide me. Form a circle around me. <laughs> See, I read that specifically as Tobias. Tobias is Bug? <laughs> yes. That's the intonation I read it in. I love that they just are entirely accepting of the fact that he's just like a hawk that can talk. I, I morphed Ket Halpak. I swaggered confidently out from behind a tool shed and walked over to the hork who looked like he was in charge. I love this moment. They want to see you, I said. Who? I jerked my head over, the shoulder, over my shoulder toward the main building. They. <laughs> it's one of those things you can count on in this world. There's always a they. Certainly in my friend group, there's always a they. <laughs> hey! Yeah, that was just great in the modern day with our modern language about there is always a they in the friend group although they're not this friend group in particular like 70 percent of my friends well we all have our own friend groups and other people that we also like know in common who are just not in the class since we go to a small elite liberal arts college Indeed. that costs way too much money Ugh. yes that entire exchange or so that entire like give me the keys and he just gives him the key and then he just decks the other hork Vajir. It's just very, very <laughs> this good. This is what happens when you have... I mean, I know that they're, like, controllers, but we've talked before about how, like, controllers probably affect the Yerks in their brains. This is what happens when you have hork Vajir controllers. Just they like... are very good at some things, but they are very concrete thinkers. <laughs> they. <laughs> There's always a they. Every friend group has one. <laughs> Tobias said it first. Tobias said Nazi and gay in this book. Oh, are we talking about the Boy Scout one? Because I 100% believe from the bottom of my heart that the Boy Scout thing that Tobias mentions is speaking from personal experience. So Tobias is talking about like the Horkwajir possibly um, integrating into human society at some point. A very forward-thinking young man. And he says, Hard to imagine humans welcoming seven-foot-tall goblins into the local Boy Scout troop when they couldn't even manage to tolerate some gay kid. Yeah. Hmm, were you the gay kid, Tobias? Were you the gay kid? Tobias was the gay kid in Boy Scouts. Yeah, that was, that's, that's my entire an analysis. I love the moment in Chapter 13 where Tobias says, I had pulled off at a completely impossible move for absolutely no reason. <laughs> like, I aspire to Huge that level mood. of extra. What's he talking about? I forget. He's talking about, like, flying towards a helicopter, flipping upside down as he's oh, flying yes. and grabbing onto the, like, under part of the helicopter. Because he thought Arya was in it. It's right? a sick red-tailed hawk stunt, and it ends up being completely unnecessary because Rachel's just like, oh, you know, we could, we could also just walk over here. And he's like, oh, okay, fine. I feel like Rachel and Tobias in an ideal world where they, like, didn't deal with all of this would have like it wouldn't be immediately clear rachel would kind of get tobias out of his shell a little bit and tobias and rachel have the most ridiculous over-the-top adrenaline junkie dates where they go like zip lining together yeah. or like to skate parks with no protective equipment and everyone is like why do all of your dates end with you having like black eyes what are you two doing 
is it a sex thing? And they're like, no, we just, like, went ziplining. It's fine. It's not even a sex thing. We're just daredevils. I mean, that's textual. Rachel and Tobias have an entirely non-sexual relationship. Yeah, but that's because they're 13 and different species. Exactly. I'm just saying that, like, I mean, they would also, if they were, like, dating in college, if they were both so inclined, potentially be having a sexual relationship as well. I'm just saying that all of the bruises and black eyes would be from, like, their dates doing, like, ridiculous athletic stunts. No, absolutely. I think I just think it's cute, and I like to imagine a future in which, even if they were, like, regular adults, they just, like, go around and, like, are pals. I don't they know. Just got, they just yeah. got a big crush that's on each other, and that's, that, they're happy with it that way. You know, they don't need yeah. to, they don't need to do anything. They just, they just like each other's company. They can't do anything until they're married. <laughs> can't look at each other. Um, Premarital eye contact is illegal. Uh, my favorite sentence in this book is in chapter 18. Mm-hmm. Kind of midway down the first page. My favorite sentence in this book is, Suddenly, an elephant. <laughs> Wait, is that really what it is? Yep. It's in its own line. It's its own paragraph. It's it's close to the bottom. The blinding blade of muzzle flashes and even more blinding dracon beams. Explosions that rocked the room. Suddenly, suddenly an elephant. An elephant. (laughs) That could just be like the um, subtitle for a hypothetical like autobiography if Rachel had written one. Yep. Would be you know like Rachel's story subtitle suddenly an elephant. There is that moment in a later book where she gets street harassed and she starts turning into an elephant to scare the dudes away. No one uses fax machines, but call, you'll hear the noise. Statues left by ancient Greeks, the perfect cheeks of goddesses and boys. Piled in the closet, broken toys. Okay, so I have a logistical question. Mm-hmm. Um, so Tobias is able to morph back into his human boy morph. Um, and if he wishes to, he could become an Othlet in his human boy morph and get stuck there. The thing is that after the David saga, the Animorphs have the Escafil device, right? Could they not just have him become an Othlet in his, in his human boy morph and then just give him the morphic ability again? This is what I've been saying. I, yeah, there's gotta be something preventing them from just using it willy-nilly, right? Doesn't make sense. There ought to be, I mean, there has to be something. They just haven't talked about it at all. And, like, it's weird because as it reads, the sort of, like, consequences for Tobias going back to his human body on a permanent basis are no. This is why I think that nothing around Tobias and the Escafil device and Cassie with the butterfly morph nothlet thing, none of that makes sense. And I think that they changed up the David Saga to make themselves look slightly less bad. And I think, again, like I said, that Tobias was not able to reacquire his original body, but rather acquired several similar-looking young men and made a combination appearance out of them. Nothing about this adds up. Yeah. I think the only argument for it being as the way it is in the text is that it is, like, disassembled at this point in time. I, the disassembly thing was uh, a ploy, that wasn't real. I don't remember, honestly. It's been a really long time since I've read the journal. The, the disassembly thing was a tactic that they used against David and the piece of the Escafil device, quote-unquote, that they had him grab was a Lego. Which is crazy that even as a rat, he wouldn't recognize a Lego brick. Like, I don't know. Lego bricks are dark. varied and numerous. And they're okay, bonkles. 
I, I think I am working a little bit off of future knowledge because uh, I don't want to get. I do. Rem- I do remember those book. other events involving the Escafil device, but I don't remember how they like get to that point. <laughs> you having a hard time I'm there, so friend? Excited for us to read it. I have another favorite moment in this book. It's an Axibilly Science Corner. Only Andalites This is in chapter 16, uh, right after Marco and Rachel talk about how uh, Jake is becoming very George Patton, which, like, I don't know, maybe, I don't know. But meanwhile, in the corner, while that's going on, Cassie's doing her homework, uh, and Axe is sort of shoulder surfing. He's like, but that's not true. That's not at all how gravity works. (laughs) I love that. If you would really like to understand the laws of motion as they apply at the quantum level and how they relate to both gravity and what we Andalites call the seventh force, then then, then Cassie's just like, Axe, it must be hard not having anyone around to discuss things <laughs> at your level that's the closest thing to a diss that she that is a give. absolutely brutal takedown on the part of cassie <laughs> that is like that is a kill him with kindness ddt down on the mat for the three count just brutal i love Max and his frustration with earth technology at this time cassie when cassie does decide to unleash her pull out the skills. disses hers are by far the best Marco like, and Rachel have some pretty good ones against each other. They really do. But I feel like I feel like with Cassie because it's a surprise and because she is really good at like analyzing people, it's like especially impactful because Cassie's just like that chill person who's like nice, and then she's like, oh, it's time to take the kid gloves off and insult someone, and you're just like, oh, geez, where did that come from? As much as I still have a silly grudge against Cassie for everyone being like. Oh, Cassandra, should I call you Cassie? No. Like the Animorph? No. But yes, but no. She is growing on me on this reread. <sighs> hey, which 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 Tobias on the cover are you? I'm the rabbit oh that God. looks like kind of like a chicken. <laughs> I think I'm the one one after that, or I'm like mostly a hawk, but I still have bunny ears. I'm definitely <laughs> the, the second one down, which is just the hawk with the bunny ears. Yeah, ditto. <laughs> I'm the second one from being a rabbit. You got a little feathery butt right there. Mm-hmm. I love that little feathery butt on that rabbit. The uh, the middle one is, I think, what I wanted to be when I grew up when I was a, when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So Parker, mm-hmm. as the only person who hadn't previously read these books, how do you feel about the ending? Okay, so so the natural question is who is who is Elfangor morphing at the time? That, like, he was, that he knew Tobias's mother. But he wasn't with, wait, I'm, I'm confused. That wasn't in my version, guys? Oh boy, here we go. Please read me exactly what you are talking about. <sighs> okay, look, it's right here. Uh, I wanted to make sure that you knew my disappearance from your life was not by my choice. I wanted nothing more than to live out my life loving your mother and loving you. As what? Well. I don't have that. I don't. I don't is it have just that. Just because you have a different edition of the book, because this Wait, is getting. What, what is weird. what is your say? It only mentions mentions her once. He says he hopes she finds someone to love. Well, yeah, ours says that too. But <sighs> okay. there's more. Can you just read the entire letter in your version? Can you can you read the whole letter? I will read the relevant part. Dear Tobias, I am your father. You never knew me, and I never knew you. I do not know what your life has been over these many years. I hope that your mother found someone to love. I know that all memory of me has been erased from her mind. All evidence of my time on Earth has been erased. 
I am being given this opportunity to communicate with you by the very creature who has erased my life on Earth. He has called me back to my duty, and I cannot fail. This will all seem very strange to you, my unknown, unseen, unmet son. But I am not one of your people. I have taken on the form of a human, but I am not a human. I was in a war. I was caught in a freak Z-space accident and found myself marooned far from the homeworld, among the people of Earth. Among humans. While on Earth, I took the name Alan Fangor. I took the name Alan Fangor, but my true name is Elfangor Serenial Shamtul. And though you will never know me, and we will never meet, I wanted to make sure that you knew that I regret having to leave you behind. I wish that I'd been able to know you. But I was part of something larger than myself. I had my duty. There was a great evil I had to fight. There were lives I had to try and save, including yours and all the lives of humanity. I am from a noble race called Andalites. Duty is very important to us. I cannot say that I love you, my son, because I do not know you. But know that I wish for that opportunity. Know that, at least. It's signed Elfangor Serenial Shamtul, Prince. Wait, what? He says he wished he had the opportunity to love Tobias, but I don't see anything about Tobias's mom. That's so wild, because ours says, um, let me look, let me find it. So, so for one thing, ours says that he was, like, running away from the war. He wasn't in a Z-space mm. accident. Um, it definitely... also makes it sound like he was on Earth for a lot longer, and it talks about Tobias's mom a lot more and about how much he, like, loves her. It calls the war a terrible war. Yeah. Huh. Okay, that's really different than what I have. Cool. Well, it's probably I'm sure just. I would like to note that your version sure does seem like it casts the Andalites in a much better light, <laughs> an Andalite, than uh, ours does. Maybe it's an edition, just published like. Maybe it's uh, your your print copy. Check the uh, check the date or like the, the the publishing date or something. It might be from like right after the war, like at a time of really intense Andalite nationalism or something. Uh, it's only. Been- 20 years ago, so... Was that a pro-Andalite time in history? I don't know. We're, I... like, really bad history students. <laughs> I, I just in this for the... I keep saying I'm just in this for the Gen X. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'm gonna... Give me, the, like, the... I don't know, do you have, like, a... like a Sort of, like, a serial number or, like, an ISBN sort of Library Congress number? I'll do some research later. You always say that. And yeah, then... no, I know, I know I do, but I really, I really will do it. It's weird how many discrepancies there are. Starting Ooh, careful! You're starting to sound like me. <laughs> Anyways, how did he conduct a relationship with Tobias's mother when he also had to go to the bathroom every two hours? He just said he had a UTI. Oh no! Well, the, you don't want to. You don't want to. You don't want to boink someone with a UTI. Ew! <laughs> what? Well, that's what I'm saying. You can't chalk it up to a UTI if you're gonna no, make a child that you happen. Said boink is an ew. <laughs> Look, okay. Yeah, it's less weird if you bad. just say have sex. Okay, all right, fine. Yeah, I was blinking last night. You can't. <laughs> okay, sorry. Apologies. I didn't know y'all would get so up in arms about the words that I use to describe sexual intercourse. Ew, that's the word intercourse. you say it in that voice, it's even worse. I'm gonna just only exclusively refer to sex in ways that make the two of you go no uh, from now on. Um. <laughs> Don't start that game with me because you don't want to. You don't want to. No, you could. I will. I will escalate. You absolutely would be able to. uh, I I will escalate. Yeah, you'll escalate me into a corner (laughs) for sure. Um, 
hot. Yeah, that sounds hot. Uh, anyway. Um... <laughs> God. Uh... Anyway, yeah. Uh, so is that what you're saying when you're talking about the ending? Because the ending, the true ending here, is the really sweet and, like, a little bit, a little bit sort of sad because of the circumstances, but also a really sweet little tiny birthday party for Tobias where he blows out the candles by flapping his wings. <laughs> it's really sweet! It's really sweet! She's so... Rachel's so kind to him and making him a little candle with a little cake. It's very cute. Yeah, Tobias does the whole sort of like circle of life thing, life thing where he acquires the rabbit that he kills. It's very like, I felt that. Like, I was like, yeah, I'm vibing with that in a big way yeah, as like a... It's cool, to, it's cool to see that Cassie's ideals like actually hold over and aren't just like, oh... Like, they had that conversation, like, it really impacted him in the long, the long term. Part of the reason I'm going to have to come back to this is because Tobias talks a lot about humanity and the concept of humanity, and it's like... Oh, the huge manatee. I think a lot about the concept of humanity and, like, what that means. I think a lot about the plight of the American chestnut. I also think a lot about the plight of the American chestnut. Um, on the one hand, like, prior to this point in history humans kind of viewed themselves as like these unique and precious life forms that were sort of better than all of the other life forms because they could do things that the other life forms couldn't and they could experience the world in the way in ways that the other life forms couldn't no we are all simply lowly meat i mean like yeah at the end of the day we're all part, we're, we're part of the same sort of natural cycles that everything else is part of and we exist in that environment whether we want to or not but the thing is that the introduction of Alien intelligence, the introduction of, like, sapient, sentient life forms from other planets really throws all of our sort of, like, notions about how sort of great and special humanity is kind of out the window. And so Tobias, but the thing is that Tobias, like, to Tobias' humanity and retaining his humanity and maintaining a connection with people is, like, one of the most important things in his life. And so I'm going to be coming back to this and sort of try to probe sort of like what that is for him like why that's something that he finds so important and what it is about being a human specifically that is so important to him um because as we've established before i would just totally be a horcajir at the drop of a hat because uh, i don't feel well, any yeah i want to be a leer i just is don't feel a... any inherent attachment to humanity in the same way that he does you know mm-hmm. well i think he also we can also relate gender feelings and like dysphoric feelings to like his i you know his excitement of being a hawk and like the the things about being a hawk that he does appreciate it it's not like it's not like being a hawk is like all gloom and doom for him like i think he loves he, it he loves it in a lot of ways so Do he's you... just torn so would, would you say that if he's flying solo at least he's flying free here's a thought um <laughs> so this is like a is tobias alphaba is Tobias just Alphaba from Wicked? I don't know what a musical theater is. Okay, so this is a part of the trans experience that doesn't get talked about a lot, but, like... Being a hawk? Well, okay, no, 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 hear me out. So, <laughs> Erso, what you've said about dysphoria is interesting and, I think, topical. Tobias definitely experiences something that feels a lot like dysphoria when he morphs back into his human body and he's just, like, walking down the street and he's, like being like, oh my god, the fact that I'm not flying right now and that I'm not able to fly at all feels incredibly limiting and, like, confining, I right? Mean, 
I would I would argue that it is still dysphoria because dysphoria is a more general term. It's just that being queer and hanging out with trans people, we're usually hearing it as like gender dysphoria, but it's also like a medical term for stuff unrelated to gender. So. Right, but if we look at it through the lens of gender dysphoria, yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm just saying that dysphoria is a factually accurate way to describe how he is feeling. Okay, right, right. but like the way that I'm thinking about this is the fact that like when you socially transition you kind of leave behind a big part of yourself you leave behind the identity that you have been like cultivating and like hiding behind for so long and i feel like it doesn't get talked about very often that that's really hard for a lot of people like it's very very hard to sort of like take that first step into the person that you know that you are because you've built connections with that previous identity. You have a sense of self, you have a, a sense of place, you have a sense of belonging, and you know, you know, I mean, hopefully you have a sense of belonging, but you know that, like, the world has a place for you as you were, and you don't know if the world has a place for you as you are about to become. And that's huge. And I feel like it doesn't get talked about very often that I feel like a lot of people do mourn what they lose when they decide to tr socially transition, you know? And so I kind of see that in Tobias a little bit. Like, he's he's got these things that he, like, it, regardless of what form he's in, Tobias lives in a state of longing. And because I'm trans, that's kind of my way of metabolizing that experience of his. Especially also given that he's that his experience occasionally speaks to the trans experience in a way that's like pretty semi direct, you know? Um, yeah. Yet another emotional haymaker uh, that this book is throwing at us. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. That was not something that I like had thought about. So thank yeah. you for sharing that. I don't know. Yeah. It's just, it's, I mean, the thing is that, like, and the, and the thing is that as trans people, like, assuming that we find acceptance or even if we don't find acceptance like there is a tremendous sense of relief and sort of personal strength that comes from coming out and that comes from deciding to live as yourself because you are sort of living an emotional truth you are living as you feel you should be and there's something incredibly liberating about that tobias doesn't have that satisfaction because neither of these forms are how he sees himself. At least at the last time that he... Like, he, he definitely talks a lot in this book about how he's a hawk. But in the last sort of encounter that we saw him have with the Elemist, he inhabits a form in his sort of psyche that doesn't conform to either of the two sort of, like, the either end of the binary that he is trapped in, you know, of either human or hawk. He doesn't have the sense of being able to come home to an identity in the way that I feel like we do and that's rough for him and it makes this sort of like this birthday party that he has at the end all the more melancholy real can i pivot wildly to a tobias's masculinity corner let's hear it and his name is john c <laughs> it's a, it wouldn't be pivoting that wildly i would argue i guess yeah, yeah. go yeah. off just on the, the subject of, you know, we have our different masculinity corners in our class discussions, and, you know, Tobias and Marcos, I feel, fall 
very strongly in the category of like this is a performance because you are queer so i would just like to read you a quick little tobias masculinity corner quote just before you from... before you get into it that's i think part of the reason i take a little bit of issue with the like weirdness of the relationship with him and rachel it's definitely like stumbling and awkward and strange and i think both of them are figuring it out and i don't know i'm not trying yeah. to blame either of them but so I just, I just want to read you a little quote from the beginning of chapter 11. I think I know what you're about to read. Uh, I, have it, I have it written <laughs> down in my notes. Let's hear it. Uh, I'm going to start a little earlier. And watching her morph to eagle was like seeing her soul emerge through her flesh. Yep. Feather patterns appeared across her skin. The golden hair gave way to the characteristic white feathers of the baldy's crown. Her arm bones narrowed and hollowed and grew feathers to become wings. Her face, never exactly soft or inviting, became forbidding and intense. Her blue eyes turned golden brown and glared with the fierce glare of a raptor. That's redundant. Her lips became the eagle's huge beak. She grew smaller, but she was becoming one of the largest birds in existence. Was she more beautiful to me because she was a bird now? No, of course not. Uh, for one thing, eagles and hawks don't mate. <laughs> for another thing, her, uh, her eagle morph is male. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> I wouldn't like a, I wouldn't like a boy eagle. <laughs> Intonation my own. Yeah, God, unbelievable. The The sentence following that up, I wrote down, as sort of Tobias's incomplete and uncomprehensive understanding of Rachel's entire sort of, like, social mode, Tobias uh, writes, but sometimes it seems to me that the body, this body suited her better than her own. Her own body misled people with superficial resemblances to the glossy images of magazine models. This body was Rachel. Fast, strong, smart, intense, and dangerous. Isn't she all of those things normally? She is all of those things normally, and Tobias doesn't understand the role that femininity plays in her life, really at all. Yeah, he's completely everyone sees her it. as, like, being, like, slave to this image that she's created for herself. Yeah, well, that's the and thing. she's like, I'm just vibing. They're not encouraged to as people who are socialized male. They don't, they're not encouraged to sort of inquire into that. In fact, they are a lot of times actively pushed away from that they're encouraged not and to I think, think about well, but it cassie as the other girl also i think cassie is maybe less like overtly scornful or confused but she and i think sometimes she might find rachel's like stylishness like somewhat like impressive in some ways but none of them i as someone who like loves to dress in a fairly feminine way i just like feel a little bit bad for rachel that none of them get this about her it's incredibly frustrating as as a woman who also like dresses really feminine and in a way that I think sometimes people question and I am very conscious about at all times um, other people's perceptions. It's incredibly frustrating to think that, I don't know, people close to me like are undermining me in their minds about it. I see you as a beautiful e-girl. <laughs> Eagle e-girl? E-girl. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think that this is something that Tobias will, if Tobias and Rachel continue to sort of, like, explore the emotional connection that they have with each other, whatever form that might take, I think that Tobias will eventually sort of come to a point where he either understands this or needs to understand it. Because I think it's a really important part of Rachel's sort of character and her struggle. But he doesn't really get it right now because he's not socially conditioned to ask questions about it. So do we have any other points to bring up or i think i, don't I mean think so. we've covered all the intense emotional stuff i'm gonna go cry and if that's okay the goofs somewhat wait a second this is mm -hmm. is this the last 
This yeah. is it. This is the last. Talk about intense emotional stuff. God, I yeah. really thought more. Why did Professor Leon have us end on this? Yeah, no one else showed up except for Brad and Skylar briefly. <laughs> <laughs> There's like at least two other people in our discussion group, I think, that I guess just chose to fail the class. Rip. That's fine. Yeah, I mean, power to them. Do whatever they want. But yeah. Rip. But so, are you guys taking this um, class next semester? No, I'm not planning on really? it. I can read the rest of them on my own. I would like to. I'm gonna have to see what. Uh, they get a lot of cool, like, sort of, like, cultural studies classes right now. Counter, like, cross-cultural memetics and stuff like that. But, like, I, I gotta, if I'm gonna be going into any amount of medical stuff, I need to sort of start thinking about actual courses in my field. So. Medics, not memetics? Exactly. <laughs> okay. Well, we should stay in touch in another way. And yeah, not just, you know, definitely. rely on the Aminorphs. <laughs> But yeah, I guess we're signing off from our class discussions. Oh, I'm for good. Forever. For good, yeah. I miss talking about these crazy Who books Who can say with you. if we've been changed forever, but because we knew each other, we have been changed for good. Wow. All right, everyone. Well, uh, stay safe. Stay really safe. <laughs> it's been, I'm going to, I mean, we'll, we'll hang out. We'll like watch a movie or something, but, um, but just take care of yourselves. Take care of the people around you. It, um, you're you're important to me, dude. We will literally be back. Yeah, we gotta watch a movie. All right, stay safe, everybody. Bye. Bye. Stay safe. Until next time. Hi, everyone. After this episode, the Morph Report will be on hiatus for about a month. You know us; it might be a little more than a month, might be a little less, but around that much. As we've mentioned before, we are trying to make sure we have transcripts for all of our episodes, uh, but we've been lagging pretty far behind. It's ended up being pretty complicated, so we are going on hiatus so that we can devote all of our time and energy to getting those done um, and catching up with our backlog. We will be back with Book 24. The Morph Report is now on Patreon. We care a lot about accessibility, and we want to provide transcripts for our podcast. However, we are not able to keep up with the transcripts ourselves for much the same reason that we care about accessibility in the first place. To help offset these costs, we have introduced two preliminary tiers on Patreon at a $2 and $5 level, and we are working on more. If you're interested in supporting us so that we can transcribe our episodes and also so that we can pay for our hosting fees on Pinecast, please look us up or follow the link in the episode description or on Twitter. Thank you. Stay safe. Thanks to Noelle Micarelli for the use of their songs Comic Book Girl, off the EP Field Notes from Another Place, and Complicated Spoon. You can find more of their music at noellemicarelli.bandcamp.com. The Morph Report is hosted by Marina Malucci, Scrivener Lamb, and Blythe. You can follow us on Twitter at MorphReport. If you have a question for the Podmorphs, tweet at us or send us an email, and we'll answer it on the show. Our email is themorphreport at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Stay safe. Stop it, I'm-